thing in mind. Now, just remember, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and, and there's a principle in this where he actually comes and says, you've got, to, you've got to understand that there's someone that has an agenda for your life. Someone that wants to destroy, someone that wants to kill, someone that wants to bring destruction to who you are. I think it's important for us to understand that, that this life isn't just what we do of it. We've got to understand that in this whole construct of life, someone has an agenda to do bad stuff to people and to use other people to do, to do bad stuff to them. But Jesus makes this incredible comment. He said, but, but I have come. I left heaven. I came to earth to give you everything in abundance more than you expect um, life in its fullness until you overflow. When Jesus speaks of this, he actually says, I want to give you a handle on life. I want to make sure that you can get a grip on the reality of what true life actually is. It's not just being nice and, and feeling that there's a sense of overflowing. It's actually the same life that God had in mind when he created us in his image and likeness. Jesus said, I, I came to give you a handle on the reality of that love. And if you hold on to it, something will happen within you. It will be an abundance. It will be too much for you to handle. So what happens then? It starts overflowing. And it starts spilling over. So at the, at the core construct of this life that God wants to give us, it actually empowers us to live large. To come to a place where something flows out of us. So um, part of that... Tonight, we want to deal with the principle of um, seeing the tree but not just, and not just the seedling. So if you see this beautiful tree, we planted it about 17 years ago. Not really. <laughs> um, think about a tree in your mind. Think about a seed and the reality of that seed versus the tree. I've got a picture of a tree up there. They call this the American redwood trees. They grow over 100 meters tall. Um, the seed can actually fit in the palm of your hand. That there's a reality in life that sometimes we get stuck just looking at a seed, not realizing that the seed has inherent capacity. It has potential locked up inside of it. That when you look at the seed, you're actually seeing a tree. But we fall in the trap actually judging the seed by what we see and not what, by what we believe in it. And I reckon that happens in our own lives, where we look at ourselves in seed form and we can't see the re reality of what God actually has in store for all of us. This tree, the ability to live large. So um, <clears throat> part of this, tonight I want to use a good story um, just to illustrate what it means to actually live large. Now stories are, are, are important because sometimes we think that we need to live the values and principles of life um, exclusively. And if we fail in these values or principles that, that we're called to live, we feel that I've missed one, that's, that, that messed up my life, so how do I bounce back? And a lot of times in my world, I sit with people where they've literally spiraled downwards because they made one big mistake in their life and they felt that they could never bounce back. But that's not the reality of what we're called to live. See, when we use the word history, it's actually comprised of two words. His story. 
that when God decided to give us a revelation of everything that he, in, he had in mind for us, He actually told and He wrote a book about it, a story that started in a garden that went through different countries. It had, had wars. It had incredible things happening up and down. came um, to a point where His Son entered, and everything happened in story form. So God didn't just give us a list of rules. He actually gave us a story. And it's important because story is, um, is one of the things that actually translates truth better than anything else. And there's a beauty in story because stories have a plot line. And that's what actually makes a good story. You think everything is going in that direction and suddenly there's a plot change. And wow, we see the outcome that no one expected. There's nothing as boring um, as sitting and watching a movie and you know everything that's going to happen from the beginning. It's like... You had money to waste it on this? Really? Um, so why is the use of stories important? So psych psychology says stories are the way or how we are wired. So stories take place in our imagination. And to the human brain, imagined experiences are processed the same way as real experiences in our life. Now this is important. Because it means that what we see in terms of story in our imagination has the same hold in our lives as the actual reality of what we just went through. So imagined experiences um, is processed the same as real experiences. Stories create genuine emotions, um, genuine presence, and behavioral responses. So there's a possibility in us that we can actually see ourselves, uh, ourselves in story form, and by doing that, you can trans late yourself into a different experience just by thinking a different plot line. Now, we think that that could be um, um, uh, a difficult principle, but we all do it. Sometimes most of the time in the negative form, where life happens and there's something looming in front of us and we're unsure about what that could bring, and guess what we do? We anticipate the worst. And in anticipating the worst, actually designing the plot in our own minds, we expect the worst to happen. So guess what happens straight after that? We feel the stress, the anxiety, the emotions. Everything becomes real for us, only to find out later that what we feared was nothing at all. It's the power of stories. The other thing that stories do, it's the pathway to engage our, um, our right, the right side of our brain that helps us to be create, creative. So when we think about what God wants to do in our lives, and we th when, if we think about it only in principle or rule or value form, it never triggers the creative side of who we are. So there's something in, 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 in the capacity, actually standing, a, taking a step back and telling yourself, okay, what's the storyline of my life at this moment? What's actually happening in all of this? Not just looking at yourself as some rule abuser, but actually seeing yourself as an actor in a story and God's designing a plot. And asking yourself the question, in this moment, if this was story, what is possible? What can God do in this moment? Now stories, um, just in the Bible, had an incredible depth to it. Jesus, when he want, wanted to translate key truths, he told stories. Just listen to um, what Luke 8 verse 9 to 10 says, why Jesus used parables or stories. 
um, in verse 9, he says, His disciples asked him what this parable meant, and he replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled, saying, When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. So Jesus uses stories to hide hidden truths. There's another reason that he tells stories. It's there to reveal eternal truths. So there's this balance that stories translate hidden and eternal truths in our lives and, and in the stories that Jesus tell. Matthew 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus comes and he says, uh, or uh, Matthew comes and he says, Jesus always used story, stories and illustrations like these when speaking to crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophets. I will speak to you in parables, and I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. So it reveals hidden things, and in these stories, the hidden things are explained so that they actually make sense. And Jesus does it in story form. Just think about it. What's the story of your life at this moment? What emotions... Um, are triggered in your life when you sit down with yourself, when you think about your life, your experiences, the things that you're going through. And ask yourself the question, who's responsible for telling you that story? Is it an enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy? Or a savior that is bringing life to you? There's a little verse in think Jeremiah that asks the question, whose report will you believe? What story are you listening to at this moment? Now, one of the things that's important when, when we think about our lives is thinking about the fact that when we want to consider living large, being different, um, actually giving this made new reality a, a, a handle in our lives, we've got to consider the environment that we allow everything that comes from God to us to grow into. Now, in this, Jesus had an incredible story to help us understand how um, the seed or the word that, is give, that He has given us actually takes shape in our lives. Now, we've got different people here. We've got a group that attended Smash a little while ago. Still here? Ooh. Really? <laughs> Sammy? What? We've got a group that attended Smash a little while ago. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, You've, you still have your job, Sam. That's good. <laughs> that was just a joke. Um, we've, got, we've got people sitting here that um, probably walked into this church for the first time. Um, we've got people that walk into a workplace tomorrow, people that are at university. So we've got different stories. But one thing we know is that every one of us sitting here um, has this um, incredible experience where your life is the environment in which God see the seeds that God is sowing um, is growing into. So what do we do with the seed that God has given us? How do we allow the seed actually to become something? Now, Mark 4, verse 1 to 20, Jesus tells a story um, about the parable of the sower. Great story. I'm just going to read the first few verses, but I want to ask you in this week to actually grapple with Mark 4, verse 1 to 20. Um, use it in your quiet time, wherever you are. Read through it. Engage it, because I reckon this is the mother of all parables. Um, it's, the, it's the parable that sums up every other part of what Jesus was trying to say. And it all comes down to the fact that there is a sower that is constantly scattering seed. 
And we need to realize in this, a sower scattering seed, God is constantly sowing things into our lives. He's constantly bringing his seed, wanting his seed to grow into our lives. So verse 1, he says, he went, he went back to, teach, to teaching by the sea. A crowd built up to such a great size that he had to get into an offshore boat, using the boat as a pulpit, and the people pushed to the water's edge. He taught by using stories, many stories, again. Verse 3, listen, um, what do you make of this? He says, a farmer planted seed, and as he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and the birds ate it. Some fell in the gravel, it sprouted quickly and didn't uh, put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly as it grew. Some fell in the weeds as it came up, and it was strangled amongst the weeds, and nothing came of it. Of it, of it. And some fell on good earth and came up with a flourish, producing a harvest, exceeding the sower's wildest dreams. So Jesus told the story and said, are you listening to this? To which I want to say, are you really, really listening to this? Four quick um, pictures that Jesus actually use, uses to help us to explain uh, just what he's saying. Firstly, he speaks of seed that falls on the road in verse 4. Now, this is interesting because um, in Israel, when Jesus was telling the story, um, it was a bit different to what we knew farming to be right now. We've got hectares and hectares and hectares of farming ground. Over there, they had very lim limited farming um, space. So what they did is they had little blocks of fruitful soil, and around it they walked to sow. So they didn't walk through the fruitful soil because they wanted to protect it. So Jesus said there's a first kind of soil, there's a first kind of person whose life is literally like a well-trodden road. It's something that is so heavily trafficked that when the seeds fall, it doesn't have the capacity to actually penetrate the soil. Now, what does this mean? <laughs> Just touched on it earlier in a um, positive way, speaking about the effect of everything we allow to traffic our minds. And we live in a society that has a lot of options. Um, one of the things that frustrates me about myself, and I'm trying to get rid of the habit, is I sit in front of a television with a phone, um, trying to watch what's there, and following what's happening on the news and on my social media feeds. What am I doing in that moment? I'm trafficking my mind. I've got a little uh, deal on with myself. I want to cut my social media or my phone engagement time by two hours a day this week. Now, that sounds a lot. But that's what happens if you've got KO Sports. Um, <laughs> that suddenly the phone recognizes that every time you watch sport via your phone, that it's phone engagement. So I looked at my stats this week, and it's like, Clinton, you're not allowed to do that, but it's Rugby World Cup, so it's almost done. Um. <laughs> but there's a reality in the amount of stuff that we actually allow, um, that, that we allow into, um, into our brains, and it traffics us. It actually um, creates such a volume of information that the good seed that God wants to sow into our lives doesn't have the ability to penetrate our minds because of the amount of information that we're constantly exposed to. There's something in the space that um, if we ask ourselves a question, um, just what, what do we want this made new reality to become in our lives? 
it has to start with, the, um, with an understanding that we've got to take responsibility of every form of traffic that we allow into our minds. Because there's this whole experience that garbage in, garbage out. That we get so obsessed with what sits in front of, in front of, in front of us in screen form that it actually rewires the way we think. And we know all the stats and we're clever enough to know that that little red circle on your Facebook releases the same kind of stuff as drugs. That just me seeing that someone liked what I said. It's like, oh, I'm loved. I'm cared for. Not realizing that it was some guy in Asia that wants to sell you something. Um, or it's someone that you haven't met for last, you haven't seen for the last 15 years. But we actually connect the same amount of affection to that little red circle on our social media feeds that we do to a person standing right in front of us. Um, we do the same with what God is actually depositing into our lives. That actually coming to a place in your life where, where you ask the question, how am I allowing the traffic of what's available in information form to run right in my life, it actually produces that picture in your life. That you become a well-trodden road, a heavily trafficked pathway, that the real good stuff in life doesn't have the ability to penetrate anymore. Second one is um, the picture of seed falling in gravel, and I've got a picture um, on that, where Jesus speaks of an un disciplined mind. It's this whole story that every time they, they prepared this patch, they would meticulously go and take out every small piece of rock um, in the Middle East, knowing that those pieces of rock actually helps a seed germinate quicker than any other thing, because the sun beats down on it, and as the seed falls into the ground, um, the heat of the gravel, the heat of the stones in, in, in the soil actually um, triggers the germination of the seed rapidly. But what then happens is the same thing that helps it grow is the same thing that kills it. Because as soon as the plant sprouts out of the seed, it dies. It's burned to death. Realizing that in every one of our lives, somewhere, we've got to take what God is saying to us. Realize that in our previous experiences, maybe not even in our experiences way long ago, but in our life, there's been moments, there's been experiences where either through brokenness or sin... You've allowed certain things to settle into your life. And these things are still there, and it weighs you down. And every time the Word of God comes to you, every time God wants to, to deposit something in you, the heat of these rocks actually kills the seed, and it doesn't have the ability to grow. So when was the last time you actually took a moment to consider just what are the burdens, what are the bondages, what are the hurts? What are the areas that I still need forgiveness for or need to forgive others to that still sits deep inside of me? And when was the last time that I actually took a notebook and wrote those things down saying, in order for me to live large into the future, I've got to deal with this now. I've got to, I've got to get rid of the rocks and the gravel and the brokenness and the sins that want to destroy me. Um, if we don't do that, we fall into this undisciplined mindset where every time something good comes into my life, I filter it through my negative experiences. 
And I allow myself to dream about the possibilities of, of the, the Word of God coming and, and God's work in my life coming only for a short season before I fall into my natural little habit where I filter everything through my negative experiences, through my brokenness or through my sins. And it has the effect that it kills the good stuff in your life. The third one um, is a seed that fell in weed. This is the picture of, of actually um, coming to a place where there's an undiscriminating mind, where, where the Word of God comes in truth form. It's something that, um, that has the capacity to bring direction, to bring life to you. But because we live in this relative society, we actually evaluate the Word of God at the same level as every other form of truth. So God isn't sitting on the throne of our lives anymore. It's as if we're looking at what sits around us and what's happening, and we think what the Bible says and who Jesus is, is needs to be at the same level as every other experience in life. That we come to a place that the words of people have the same effect in our lives um, that the Word of God has. That spending time with God or allowing God to speak to us or going through experiences where we know God is working in me weighs exactly the same as every other experience. And not discriminating in that moment. Not coming to a place saying that, that I believe that who Jesus is, what He's doing in my life is the truth of who I am at present. And everything else needs to be filtered through the re reality of Christ. Because if I don't do that, if I allow the other truths to grow in the same soil as the, the reality of Christ in me, at some point, the other will drown the work of God out in your life. And the Bible says the weeds grew and the good stuff died. Traffic mind, gravel, or weeds are all things that need to be meticulously prepared for this made new reality to take shape in your lives, especially after peak experiences. Some of us had a peak experience through Smash. We had a few guys that just went through a, through a hiking trip this weekend. Um, wherever you are, just a worship experience like tonight could be a peak experience. What you do right after peak experiences actually has the capacity to either entrench the reality of God's work in you or just to let it slip away. The worst thing about that is we start living for Christian fixes, where Sunday becomes a fix. I need a good worship set to help me, and I need a good sermon to help me. And I walk out, and guess what happens? The traffic and the gravel and the weeds destroys everything that God is doing in your life at the moment. So key question, how do we deal with this? I think it's realizing that, that that seed falling on good ground grows. If you look at this picture, that if you take responsibility for keeping the ground fertile, you would be surprised to see what God can sow and birth into your life. If you allow yourself just that, that moment to say, okay, I'm not going to fall into that little box thinking that everything has to happen for me. I'm actually going to take a bit of responsibility for this. I'm going to start looking at my life, and I'm going to prepare my life so that I will become fertile soil. You'll be surprised about what God can actually do 
in a person's life that takes responsibility for this. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, Paul makes this statement. He says, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become a completely new creation. I love that picture. Because if you take a seed and you take the tree, you can't compare the two to one another. There's something about a tree that looks entirely different to the seed. That's exactly what happened to us in Christ. That the seed of Christ in us has the ability to produce the fruit of Christ in us. And it's in that moment that we realize that we've been enfolded into Christ. And because we've been enfolded into Christ, we are a new creation. He says, all that is related to the old life has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. I reckon that's one of the most, most important things to protect. Some of us have been in this church Christian experience for so long that it isn't fresh and new anymore. We think it's not fresh and new because of what happens outside of us. But could it be that you've lost your freshness and your newness because you've allowed certain things to settle in your soil and it's draining you and it's destroying the seed that actually needs to grow in you. That by not taking responsibility of dealing with the traffic, with the gravel, and with the weeds, you've actually fallen into the trap where you feel old, you feel tired, you feel wasted. Christianity is becoming a burden. It's everything um, to the other side to what God has actually promised when it comes to this. And we think it's the externals. But in reality, it's us not taking responsibility for who we are. And where we are. So in this, you can ask yourself the question, how are you dealing with trafficking, trafficking your mind at the moment? What are you allowing in your mind? One of the key things to think of, how do you relax? Do you actually relax with a phone in your hand? <laughs> do you actually expose yourself to overt... Um, 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 information every day, just bundles and bundles of, and bundles of info. Just what do you do? What do you feed your mind with? When was the last time that you actually considered dealing with the baggage in you? When was the last time that you actually considered just my, my, my worldview? Is it based on the truth of God? Hosea 10 verse 12 makes this incredible statement something that I'm hoping that some of us would take responsibility for. Where he says that sometimes in our lives we've got to do this. We've got to plow up the hard ground of our hearts. For now is the time to seek the Lord. We've got to break the crust of, what keep, of everything that's keeping the good stuff out. He says, seek the Lord that He may come and shower salvation onto you. This is a moment where if you allow God to penetrate your heart, if you allow the reality of, of salvation to actually take, take hold of who you are, we will move on from this, I'm fresh just every time there's a peak experience to a place where in your walk with God and in your walk with people, there'll be a freshness and a newness. And you'll discover this 
incredible reality of you being made new in the image and likeness of God as a daily rhythm. Where Ecclesiastes, the author makes this, this amazing comment. He says, your mercy is new every morning. But there's a part of God that I could discover every day that is new, that is fresh, that's different. And if I allow that to build rhythm and momentum in my life, this life could reflect the essence of God's glory in ways that will astound you. Paul speaks of this in Ephesians 1 verse 19 and 20. He says, How tremendous is the power available to us who believe in God. It's the same power demonstrated when Christ was raised from the dead. That in this crust, in this hardness of our hearts, if we can allow ourselves to say, God, I'll deal with the traffic, the baggage, and the weeds. I'll get rid of those things. I'll, I'll take responsibility for this environment so that your seed can be planted in fertile soil. It actually releases the same power that rose Jesus from the dead in us and through us, bringing us to a place where we can live a life so much larger than the reality of what we had in mind the first time when we encountered Christ. That's God's desire for you. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for stories. We want to thank you, Lord, for stories that has alternative endings. I want to thank you, Lord, for, for the fact that you involve yourself in, 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 in some of our stories, Lord. Where we are destined for destruction, where we are destined for defeat, where we are destined that our stories actually takes the shape of, of the intent of the enemy. You involve yourself in our story, Lord. And you bring life and you bring that in abundance. We know, Lord, that you are the sower that wants to sow into our lives with abundance. But there are times that we allow either the traffic of life or the baggage of life or the weeds of life. We allow them into us to drown out all the good stuff that you want to release through us. Tonight, Lord, I want to pray for every one of us sitting here. Lord, that we may come to a place that we will allow your seed but in that same moment of allowing your seed, Lord, that we will take responsibility for the soil of our lives. That every seed sown by you will grow into abundance. That we will live the large life that you called us to. That our lives will reflect the same power that rose Jesus from the dead in every possible way. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. As part of our habit at, um, at Arana, we're going to take some time and just um, share communion together. In communion, we take a piece of bread and a little bit of grape juice, and we think about what Jesus did for us on the cross, saying that, Jesus, you died for me. Your body was broken for me. You bled for me. So that everything that you became, you became a curse so that I could become the righteousness of God. And it's in that moment that we take the bread and we take the grape juice. We thank Him for what He did for us. And we commit our lives saying, God, I want to live for You because, because of the price that You paid for me. So don't you want to stand with me as we share uh, in communion together? The worship team is going to lead us. You're welcome to come forward at your own time. And let's uh, engage and allow God to do a work in our lives. Thanks.